Hello, my friends. It's the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm Paul. It's the 26th day of September. Thanks for joining me for a few minutes today as we work on one verse in our journey through Mark. It's Mark 16, 7. The angel says to those in the tomb, the women who have come to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. Of course, Jesus is not there. He is risen. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Um, think of before you as ahead of you. I, I, but that before you are the two, not the two words I want to emphasize today. <laughs> the two words that jump out at me in Mark 16, 7 are the words and Peter. And these two words make all the difference in the amazing, enormous, important role that Peter will play in the history of redemption. Because by these two words, and Peter, Mark is indicating as he's bringing his gospel to an end that Jesus' work of prepping the disciples is not lost. Peter is the main figure. When you hear about the trilogy of disciples that either go to the top of Transfiguration or go into the Garden of Gethsemane, it's Peter, James, and John. In the famous four biographical sketches of Jesus we call the Gospels, Peter is the one who is who confronts Jesus about his pending death in Jerusalem. I'm not going to let you die. If they're going to kill you, they're going to have to kill me. It's Peter whom Jesus rebukes to his face. Get behind me, Satan. It's Peter who walks on the water with Jesus. It's Peter who pulls his sword in the Garden of Gethsemane and swings at the Malchus's servant's head and takes off his ear. It's, it's Peter who falls on the deck of his boat and says, Depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He is a, he is a centerpiece of the gospel story. It's difficult to imagine the Jesus story without Peter because Peter represents uh, so many things. He represents all of us in our tempestuousness and our fear, our anger, our zeal, our doubt. He's our... He's the best version of ourselves. He walks on water. He's the worst version of ourselves. He swings the sword in anger. He is the one whom Jesus says, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but the Spirit revealed to you when Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. He's... He's the best version of ourselves right there where we walk in such unity with the Spirit that we we are the walking embodiment of the keys of the kingdom. But He's also the worst version of us in that sometimes we are the Satan. Sometimes we are rebuked for being an adversary to the very thing God wants to do. So in a way, Peter stands alone because he is us. I used Peter extensively in my last book, Greater Than Jonah, because Peter is Acts's retelling of the Jonah story. Peter goes to Joppa and is told to go to a bunch of Gentiles. Jonah goes to Joppa, is told to go to a bunch of Gentiles. 
Jonah refuses. Peter accepts. Jonah gets his redemption in the Peter story in that Peter does what Jonah failed to do. He doesn't understand it very well, but he does what Jonah failed to do. Peter is central. So for Mark to say, go tell his disciples and Peter. He's not saying Peter's no longer a disciple. He's saying, go tell the disciples, don't forget Peter's one of them. Peter has denied the Lord. No doubt he feels as if he doesn't belong. No doubt he feels as if he can't be a recipient of the glorious goodness of God. And I don't know how closely attuned Peter is to did Jesus really resurrect or not. The disciples are as scattered about how they see that as you and I would be. He buys in very quickly, and so quickly, in fact, that he's 10 days from now, he preaches the great Pentecostal sermon of Acts 2 under the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter is an encouraging two words in the Gospels because and Peter means that no matter what you've done, he loves you. He chooses you. I like to think that if Judas had not killed himself, the angel would have said, go tell his disciples, Peter and Judas. But Judas contrasted to Peter, ends his life before he hears the call that he's okay. And Peter, maybe he's on the road to ending his life. I don't know. Uh, it, it kind of feels that way to me. But he hears the call. Go tell the disciples and Peter. John will take this to the next level. In John, John the non-synoptic gospel, John the one writing last, the one, I don't want to say cleaning things up, but certainly putting a bow on the story. And I think John writing from a resurrected perspective writes that little chapter in John 21 where this it's almost a tack-on chapter at the end of the, the book where Peter goes fishing and has breakfast by the sea and Jesus is the one who makes the breakfast and invites him, come and dine. And Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And so for John, he takes it to the next level of actually showing you the redemption of Peter, but Mark just throws it in. What a powerful two words. And Peter. It'd be a pretty good sermon title, wouldn't it? Our sermon's titled, And Peter. Two words upon which redemption hinges, because if Peter is redeemed, there's hope for all of us. What an amazing thing. So they went out quickly. And fled from the tomb, and they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. We're going to talk about tomorrow on the podcast why, in many old manuscripts, Mark ends right here. And what does that mean? We'll get into it tomorrow. See you then. God bless.